I'm Amelia Sullivan, and this is an APTA podcast. Enacted in 2017, the Physical Therapy Licensure Compact was created to increase consumer access to physical therapy services by reducing regulatory barriers to interstate mobility and cross-state practice. On today's episode, we talk with TJ Cantwell from the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy on all things PT Compact. TJ answers some of the common questions about the PT Compact, like how to know if your state is part of the program, what are the requirements for eligibility, what happens if you move, and much more. Here's our conversation with TJ. So TJ, welcome to the podcast. Let's first have you introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, I am TJ Cantwell. I'm the Compact Administrator for the Physical Therapy Compact Commission. Um, What does that mean? Uh, That means I'm really in charge of uh, the overall management uh, and uh, direction, um, uh, the staff person uh, that works with the board um, for the PT Compact to help implement and make sure the, the compact is running right and we're getting more states on board and we're explaining information to people that uh, have questions about the compact, how it works, and basically all the administrative stuff you can think of that goes along with the compact. I've been uh, doing that since about middle of 2017. Um, so about three years now, uh, and that's when the compact officially became uh, real, uh, when we had the first 10 states that joined the compact, um, and then they had the opportunity to, to bring on their first uh, compact administrator to help get it off the ground and get our policies and everything in place. So um, I'm the guy that really helps to, to run all that, and uh, you may even get to me on the phone when uh, you call in to ask some questions. Wow. So I'm glad uh, we could have you here on the podcast to talk about the compact because obviously you're the go-to guy about it. Uh, So let's jump right in. And some listeners uh, may already know, but can you explain what the compact is and what it does? Uh, Happy to. Uh, The the compact is really a uh, new way for people to get the privilege of practice in other remote states. Um, so it, it doesn't change anything with the existing licensure system, you know, traditionally where you can go and apply for a license that uh, any, with any state board to, um, to be able to get the privilege of practice there by getting a license. What the compact does is it's an agreement between the states who join the compact. So they need to actually enact legislation and then uh, implement a lot of requirements in order to all have an agreement that um, they were going to have the same requirements for somebody to be able to practice in that state. And somebody can then, um, once the state is active in the compact, can then get a privilege to practice in that state, which is the equivalent of a license. It's all the same rights and responsibilities. Um, there are um, some advantages to compact, as I can talk about uh, in a little bit. Um, but essentially, <clears throat> what it allows somebody to do is um, be able to um, more quickly, easily, um, and cheaply get the privilege to practice in other states that are part of the compact, that are active. And right now we have uh, about 28 states that have joined the compact. 20 of those states are actively issuing and accepting compact privileges. Um, so those who are eligible and meet all the eligibility criteria can go on our website right now at ptcompact.org and be able to uh, verify their eligibility, uh, apply online, pay the fees online, and really within a matter of 10 minutes, um, as long as they meet all their criteria, uh, they'll be able to get a compact privilege for one of those other states, uh, again, presuming they meet all the, the uh, eligibility criteria. So um, it's it's that simple is that it really provides this alternative pathway for somebody to be able to get the privilege of practice that can be faster, easier, and cheaper for folks. So for those student listeners, uh, can you explain a little bit about how the compact is relevant to students, PT or PTA students? 
right, well, we get a lot of calls, a lot of emails from students um, that are interested in the contact, which is fantastic. Um, it, it has a, a lot of uh, applications for you know people beyond students, but specifically for students. Um, we know that there's a lot of uh, people that are coming out of graduation, graduating and um, looking for opportunities and maybe aren't sure exactly what their lifetime uh, position is going to be, where they're going to want to locate and, and remain, and, and which facility they might want to work for, which company they might want to work for. And so they may take up uh, travel PT, for instance. Um, and for those cases, I know a lot of students that do that, um, look at the compact as a great um, opportunity for them to be able to um, get quickly get the ability to practice in other states um, when they're working with uh, maybe a staffing company or, or looking on their own to try to work in multiple states at a time. The compact is really set up for that, is to allow people to hold uh, the privilege to practice in multiple states, um, and we do it in a way that makes it much easier for them to do that because you don't have to uh, maintain the CE requirements for um, all the different states where you have compact privileges. You just have to worry about your home state CE requirements. Um, it's typically a lot cheaper than getting a regular license, um, even through endorsement, um, <clears throat> and it's really easy. You know, like I said before, I think it's uh, most people once they complete any of the requirements, including jurisprudence uh, for those states that acquired beforehand, uh, within 10 minutes you can get verified, paid for, and get a unique compact privilege number for uh, one of the other states. Um, so it can really be a much easier way for somebody to keep track of all that as well um, if they're going to hold multiple licenses and want to continue to, to practice and, and go to different states. Um, so again, for those students that are graduating that are looking and say, hey, I'm going to go into travel therapy, um, this this may be the, you know, a great alternative for them than looking to get a license in every one of those states, especially if they're not sure how long they're going to be in those states, especially if it's temporary and they're like, we're going to have my home state and I'm going to really just kind of move from there and work for, you know, six months here and three weeks here and, you know, another year here, that kind of stuff, then that really works. And we found um, for many people that already have contact privileges, that's how they use them. Um, and as I said, many students are very interested in, um, you know, in using the compact that way because it's just uh, a great new alternative that they didn't, uh, wasn't available, um, you know, just a couple of years ago. Um, and again, so, uh, you know, a lot of people that now are graduating or new see this as, you know, the, the great uh, the great value and opportunity for them to take advantage of uh, working in multiple states, but yet not having to worry about all the requirements for those states and being able to go one central place to maintain all their compact privileges. Um, and all those compact privileges are even tied to your home state license, so the expiration dates are all the same, so you don't have to worry about whenever those compact privileges are going to expire. Um, you just have to worry about that home state, and whenever you renew that home state license, you'll renew your compact privileges um, at the same time. So it's, uh, it's again, provides a lot of uh, kind of unique ways in bringing um, the process kind of into the 21st century. So TJ, you've mentioned a few times now that it only takes 10 minutes to become part of the PT Compact. Um, so before you even get to that process, uh, what are some of the requirements that it takes to apply and be accepted to the Compact? All right, so it's important to know if you're eligible or not. And so we've got a lot of resources on our uh, website at ptcompact.org where you can see what the eligibility requirements are, but they're very uh, simple in reality. Um, you have to um, first um, live and have permanent residence in a compact member state that's active. So, again, one of the 20 so far that I've mentioned, uh, we have a map on our website that you can see which those states those are. 
um, and they're always kind of changing and, and adding to those as more states join. Um, you have to have a regular license issued by the PT board in that same home state. Um, you have to have no um, encumbrances on any of your licenses, and you can have no adverse actions on any licenses within the last two years uh, from the effective date, and obviously no ongoing um, adverse actions that are, that are currently against your license. So, um, you know, it's meant for the best actors, the people that are, you know, doing the right thing, that they can be eligible for this kind of unique and special pathway. But uh, but those are the only criteria. You know, if you meet those criteria, um, then you should be good to go. Um, and then you need to just make sure that you're completing whatever state jurisprudence exam um, is required. So some states, in fact, most states do require you to complete their um, state law exam um, in order to be qualified to even uh, apply for compact privileges. And the process actually asks you several times to attest that you completed that exam and passed it. Um, and so we have a list of all those states on our website and what their fees are, including what their jurisprudence requirements are. And so sometimes that could take a little bit of extra time. In a few cases, some states require you to take an in-person jurisprudence exam, which, again, you've got to register for, pay for, take, this can take, you know, four four days to a week in many cases. Um, but in some cases, the states have it right online, so you can take their jurisprudence exam and really within an hour or two and, and get that requirement done. And then the actual process of verifying your eligibility and make sure that you've got all the other requirements in place, um, we verify that against our database and have you attest to some of the other things. And that process and the payment process really does take less than 10 minutes and automatically emails you a unique compact privilege number for that state. Um, so if you meet those criteria, again, we'll verify those through our online portal. And uh, once you're verified as eligible, you can select the states that you want, and you can do multiple at a time or just one at a time if you'd like, and then pay for those and then get that compact privilege number. So again, thinking about students, uh, so what are the, some of the things that students should be thinking about, preparing, uh, if they're interested in applying uh, to become part of the compact? I think the most important thing is really to understand our requirements related to home state. So we do get discussion a lot um, about, you know, they may be graduating from a specific you know, certain school in, in a specific state, um, but then they are, you know, potentially going to move to a different state after they graduate and, uh, and get a license there and try to work there and make that their home state, you know, that become their permanent residence because many students, um, they may be just living temporarily in any state that they are uh, going to school in and they're graduating from. Um, but in the long run, they actually intend to establish permanent residency in another state. Um, and so what we try to explain, again, is that our home state requirement is based on permanent residency, that somebody has the ability to show proof of permanent residency, uh, typically in the form of a driver's license, um, so that we can then show that this is where this person has their home state. So in that case, if, for instance, somebody was to graduate um, in the state, uh, you know, in the state of Arkansas, um, but they, you know, actually intend to uh, make their permanent residence in Missouri, well, then we would say even though you're going to graduate from Arkansas and that's where you may be considered right now your home state, but your permanent residence is in Missouri or going to be in Missouri, that you need to make sure you're establishing that as your home state and then you're getting a driver's license there if you don't already have one and that you're going to get a regular license issued by the board, again, is one of the criteria to be eligible for the compact from the state of Missouri. Um, if you have a license in Arkansas, that's great, but if that's not also your permanent residence home state, 
it won't qualify you for the compact. So, again, to really go through, and, and as I said, there's lots of resources on our website to be able to make sure you are aware of their criteria. Um, obviously, most people that are graduating are not worried about the um, anything around related to reverse actions or encumbrances because they're brand new and they're just getting their first license, so it really doesn't matter. And, in fact, that's fine. They don't have to practice for two years or anything like that. They just have to, to be able to uh, meet all the criteria. And, again, as long as they have that home state, uh, in the case of new student, uh, new graduates, you know, they have the home state that's an active member of the compact, and they also have a, a regular license from that home state, they would be eligible um, to then take the jurisprudence for those other states that they're interested in and then uh, apply for and pay for the compact privileges for those states. And now for a quick break. Official guidance is changing rapidly as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to evolve. APTA set up a webpage to keep you informed at www.apta.org coronavirus. Please visit regularly and stay safe. We're all in this together. And now let's return to the show. Okay, so admittedly, this might be a dumb question, uh, but can you explain the difference between um, being part of the PT compact and uh, getting your license? So the, really the only difference is um, how you how you become eligible to get a license versus a contact privilege um, and what those, um, the, the process for actually getting them. Um, so for licenses, obviously you go through the state board, um, you meet any of their licensee criteria, uh, apply, to, apply through them, um, you know, the board looks, reviews it, um, and then gives approval or, or denial of a license in that state. Uh, for the compact, uh, essentially the compact commission is actually issuing, on the, uh, issuing the compact privileges on behalf of the state boards. Um, and so in that case, again, we've talked about the criteria to be eligible. We are doing the vetting and the verification of people's eligibility based on the information that the state boards have provided us uh, regarding licensees and who has a license in that state, et cetera, who has disciplinary actions. Um, and so we do that, again, on behalf of the state boards, and then we issue the compact privileges, again, to each for each state to those individuals applying for them on behalf of the state boards, and that that's really based just on that eligibility criteria and that they meet that. Um, not on whatever the states may have. They may have separate criteria for licensees, um, but that is unrelated to the criteria for compact privilege holders. Um, the other thing I mentioned before was that, you know, compact privileges come with no um, CE requirements. And so unlike, unlike a regular license, you have to make sure that you're maintaining the CE requirements for every license you hold in all the different states. For compact privileges, you just need to, again, maintain that home state license as part of the eligibility criteria and so clearly meet any of their um CE requirements, uh, but there are no CE requirements. Um, even if the state has it for licensees, there's none for a uh, compact privilege in that state, and so you don't have to worry about that anymore, which is a great advantage of the compact versus a license. Um, another difference would be, again, the you know ability to, to really um, know when those compact privileges are going to expire because they're tied to that home state license. Instead of worrying about whether it's on your birth date or your anniversary date or every two years or every one year, um, and exactly when that might happen. Again, you don't have to worry about that with compact privileges. They're all tied to the expiration date of that home state license. So you just need to know that when you, uh, your home state license expires, so will your compact privileges, and then they'll have to go back in and renew those compact privileges 
um, after they renew that homestay license and pay those fees again and go through the whole process and take any jurisprudence requirements again um, to get that done. Um, and then, you know, finally, I think that the compact privileges, um, another advantage is that in most cases they are um, cheaper um, than going getting endorsement or getting a regular license in those states, again, primarily because the commission is uh, doing the administrative work on that and then doing verification online. Um, uh, the states, you know, many states have chosen to put a lower fee related to those. Um, and so it can be a cheaper alternative than getting a regular license. But those are the main things. All the rest of the stuff is the same. So the, the, the ability to get them, the process to get them is different for contact privilege versus the license, but the actual practice is the same. So uh, the individual still needs to meet all the requirements to follow the scope of practice of the state that they're uh, working in and where the patient is located, just like a regular license. Um, you know, they don't have any special abilities under a compact privilege that they would uh, that they wouldn't under a license. Again, they have to follow the scope of practice um, for for anything. They have to meet any additional requirements to do any special modalities or anything like that, but just like a licensee would. Um, and so, really, it's very much the same. It's the equivalent, equal to a license, um, by in the, in the eyes of the board, in the eyes of the state, in the eyes of the law. Um, it's just a matter of uh, the the differences for being eligible to get one and the process for actually obtaining one. So you've mentioned a few times. Um home state. So one, how does the PT Compact define one's home state? And then what happens if you move? So we define home state, and again, this is based on our rules, that, uh, which anybody can access on our website, but it's based on the permanent residence of the individual. Um, so again, you may have licenses in multiple states across the country, but it's all dependent on where your home residence is located. Um, and where you can legally um, show proof of residence. Um, typically, we ask for people to provide driver's licenses proof of proof of residence because when you go get a driver's license, you usually have to provide your, uh, you know, your rental bill or your mortgage and uh, and some um, utility bills, et cetera, in order to get that license. That's when you're establishing your permanent residence for legal purposes. Um, and so that's what we ask for. Um, so again, you may have graduated from one state, you may have gotten your first license in another state. All those things uh, we've heard from people that say that's where they want their home state to be. But unfortunately, again, based on our rules, um, you have to be able to prove home state as permanent residence. Um, that is what we use um, to define it. Um, how that impacts somebody, again, if they move, would be um, based on eligibility criteria, you have to have your home state as a active member of the compact. Um, if, um, again, if you don't live in a home state that's an active member of the compact, you're not eligible. So uh, if you already, if you don't have compact privileges yet, um, then you would not be eligible and the system would not let you purchase compact privileges there, purchase any compact privileges in fact. Um, if you um, get compact privileges because you have a home state that is an active member and you qualify, um, you can maintain those compact privileges as long as you have a home state that is active in the compact. If you should change permanent residences and change your home state, therefore, uh, to another uh, state that is not an active member of the compact, then your compact privileges, you have 30 days to notify the, the compact commission. Um, you know, again, under our rules and legally, you'd have to inform us. Um, and then you would, uh, your compact privileges would be terminated because, again, you no longer meet those main eligibility criteria. Um, and, 
at that point, you'd have to get a regular license from the state board in order to continue to practice there. So we like to let everybody know, again, our our definition of home state is just a little bit different. Um, it is you know, explicit in our rules. We're happy to explain it to anybody who's got any questions about exactly does this qualify or I don't really understand it. Um, but it is important to understand um, to make sure that you continue to maintain eligibility um, or try, in the first place try to be eligible for the compact, um, that you understand that the home state is an essential part of it. Um, and, again, you additionally have to meet the other criteria uh, in order to be qualified, but home state's a big one um, in order to make sure that you are eligible for the compact and is a little different than um, trying to get a regular license. So building on that, uh, one more question about the home state. Uh, so what if your home state is not part of the PT compact? If it's not part of the PT compact, then um, you currently are not eligible to participate, um, which is a bummer. Um, we have a goal of the commission to eventually get all jurisdictions uh, as part of the compact. I think we've done a good job, but, you know, we're already up to 28 states that have joined the compact. 20 of those are active, um, and that's really uh, only in the last four years or so. Um, so it's very rapidly growing. Um, again, we hope that in the next few years we'll be able to get all the rest of the states on board. But until that time, if you have a home state that's not an active member of the compact, you would not be eligible. If you want your state to join the compact, uh, we are very reliant on um, our partners and, and other organizations uh, like the APTA uh, and then the um, state associate PT associations um, to be able to uh, help promote um, the compact and get that legislation introduced. As I mentioned earlier, you have to pass a specific legislation in order to join the PT compact. It's the same language. We provide that on our website. We work with states that want to introduce it to try to help educate them about it. Um, but until that legislation is introduced and then passed by the state legislature, the, the state is not, cannot officially become part of the compact. Um, and so I encourage anybody who uh, wants their state to join the compact that's not currently part of the compact uh, to reach out to your you know, state association, um, ask them if it's going to be on their agenda in the next coming year. Um, if they've got questions about it, again, they can reach out to us at the compact commission. Um, and find more information on our website at ptcompact.org. Um, but, again, until we can get that legislation introduced, they just won't be eligible. Um, and, you know, potentially in some cases people have, you know, may move, and then they can move to a state that's going to be active member of the compact, and then they would be eligible. Um, but, uh, but until that point, you know, we get the, all the jurisdictions in there, it's going to be dependent on where your home residence is. So another question about applying and becoming part of the PT Compact. So how does someone find out about the fees associated with compact privileges? And then um, how does someone find out if there are any state jurisprudence requirements? Um, so we've got a page that's dedicated to that on our website, ptcompact.org, under fees and jurisprudence. At the top, you can see there's one of the menu items. Um, and the whole page has the listing of all the active states that are in the compact, um, and it lists out whether or not they have um, a, a compact privilege fee, um, what those fees are, uh, what the fee is that the commission charges for each compact privilege, so you can get what your total is going to be. Um, it has the requirements for the state jurisprudence exam. Um, so, again, as I said before, most states, do require that you to pass, uh, take and pass their jurisprudence exam, their law exam, so you understand essentially what you can and can't do 
um, practice to practice uh, physical therapy in their state, and it does vary in several states. They have different requirements, so it's important for you to know that. Um, and as a requirement, they are asking you to do that and requiring you to do that. If you don't do that um, and uh, test uh, falsely that you do during the process of applying, uh, you can get in a lot of trouble and uh, you know, face adverse action. So I advise everybody to make sure they're looking at this page, checking it out. There's a link um, to all the states that require the jurisprudence exam. There's a link to get access to the jurisprudence exam. Um, and as I said, some are online, some are ones that you have to register for to take Prometric, but that information is all on our website under the Fees and Jurisprudence page. Um, and then additionally, for anybody that might be active duty military or uh, military spouse or a veteran, some states waive their fees, and it will also tell you whether or not that state will waive the fee um, if you are uh, one of those categories. Um, so that is all available there. I advise everybody, it's kind of one of the first stops if you understand what the compact eligibility are, to take a click over to our fees and jurisprudence page, and that will give you a good sense of what you're going to potentially have to pay in terms of fees and what you need to do ahead of time as far as jurisprudence. So last question for you, TJ. Um, so first, if someone wanted to find out more about the compact um, and if they had any questions, how can they contact you and how can they learn more about the PT compact? And second, is there anything that you want uh, listeners to know about the work you guys have done on PT compact and uh, on behalf of the profession? Uh, yeah, and to find more information about the compact, um, I invite you to go to our website. Again, we've got a lot of uh, information, frequently asked questions. Uh, we have some short videos about how the compact works, um, some videos about jurisprudence and what it is, um, even uh, one that we'll developing about what the home state requirement is. So we're adding more information there all the time. Um, there's a map on that website that will show you all the states that are currently active, um, and so you can have a sense whether or not you'd be eligible uh, based on your home state. Um, and we are available um, 9 to 5 on the weekdays. Uh, we have a team of uh, customer service folks that are available to answer your questions as well. Um, you can call us at 703-562-8500, um, or you can email us at info at ptcompact.org. And, again, we are doing our best to try to, to answer any of the questions uh, as quickly as we can because we realize this is a new program and we want other people to, to know, uh, everybody to know as much as they can about it if they want to participate. Um, and I think uh, as far as other things I'd like people to know is essentially uh, we are working to grow this. Um, we, as I said before, are working to make sure that all jurisdictions are part of the compact. Um, we want to make sure that everybody has the right information. Um, I'd encourage people to make sure that they're reading up and uh, and know as much as they can about the compact uh, before jumping into it, but that it is really a great alternative. It is new, something new. Um, it is something that uh, I think has benefited a lot of people already um, and is really going to benefit a lot more people. So whether they're a student um, or they've been practicing for you know, 20 or 30 years, this is a, a great new alternative uh, to be able to get the privilege of practice in other states even for those who have licenses um, and held, you know, five or six licenses in other states for their entire life, their entire career, um, this is an opportunity to potentially say, look, I can do this without having to maintain the CE requirements. I can do it with, with the ability to, to have one expiration date um, and to do it in a, in a cheaper, faster, and easier way. Um, and so I invite, you know, people, again, that are have licenses already, 
to take out, take a look at the compact and see if it's something that might be working for them. And for any students, again, that would be looking to say, I want to be able to hold multiple licenses because I'm going to um, figure out where I want to go in my career. Um, again, the compact would potentially be a good opportunity for you and a new alternative that uh, has only existed in the last couple of years. TJ, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Appreciate it. To learn more about the Physical Therapy Licensure Compact, visit the FSBBT website at fsbbt.org. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.